Welcome to God's Acre On The Go, a worship podcast of the Congregational Church of New Canaan in New Canaan, Connecticut. To learn about the life of our church, our in-person ministries, and the virtual connections and offerings available, please visit us at www.godsacre.org. Now, wherever you are, wherever you are going, we welcome you to worship. Church family, good morning. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to God's Acre on the go on this first Sunday of Advent, wherever you happen to be, wherever you're traveling. We're so grateful to have you tuning in with us this morning. We're going to focus on uh, an Advent text in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, entitled The Little Apocalypse, uh, Jesus' discussion about the return of the Son of Man. But before we do that, I'd like you to prepare your hearts for the word intended for you by the Spirit this morning as we listen to my dear friend Karen Harvey play Once in Royal David City. So as I mentioned, we're looking at the 24th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, the section of the Gospel that's referred to as the Little Apocalypse. And it starts with Jesus and his disciples making their way uh, from the Temple Mount up the Mount of Olives and then looking over the Holy City. And it says in, in verse 1, chapter 24, as Jesus came out of the temple and was going his way, his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. So kind of awed by the great structures. And, and then Jesus asked them, you see these things, do you not? Truly, I tell you, not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. 
And then he goes on to talk about these kind of fearful images of the end time. And then he gets to verse 36 and he says, but about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the son, but only the father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the son of man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the son of man. Then two will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. So we get this idea that we uh, hear in other parts of the New Testament that Jesus will come like a thief in the night. And then I want to add to that uh, two chapters earlier in Matthew 22, uh, Jesus having an exchange with a Pharisee. It's the greatest commandment. It says, when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. He said, teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. The word of God for the people of God. Let's take a moment and pray together. Um, Lord God, we thank you for an opportunity to uh, pause in the midst of our busy lives and meditate on your word. Uh, we trust that somehow beyond our ability to fully understand, your word can speak to us in important and life-adjusting ways. So we pray for that blessing as we begin uh, the season of Advent together. In Jesus' name, amen. So... We're talking about Advent hope this morning, and, and I want to be clear. I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure how this message will hold together. Uh, focusing on the little apocalypse, as it's referred to in the Gospel of Matthew, on the first Sunday of Advent, it's just always a challenge. This is one of those scriptures that often uh, we find at the very beginning of Advent. It's Jesus's discourse that has said on the end of the world as we know it, and the coming of God's kingdom. And Jesus speaks of jarring, kind of unsettling, disturbing images. Uh, if you read through the entire chapter, there are portents of the temple being destroyed and stars falling from heaven and people being snatched out of the world while others are left behind. And the Son of Man entering the created order like a thief in the night. I mean, the wreaths have been hung in the sanctuary if you come in here and take a look uh, or watch us online. Uh, the Candle of Hope is lit on this Sunday. Our Advent program cards are all printed out, and we're, we're sending them to people, and they're here in the meeting house. Uh, when folks gather, we're, we're preparing to celebrate the arrival of the baby Jesus. And what do we receive? This word that Jesus will make his way to us like a thief. Jesus, if you remember the cross... Jesus went out a criminal, and now we're told he's going to return as a thief. Try putting a bow on that one. Now, Advent, as you know, is the very first season of the church year. It's the season when the church gathers to remember the promises of Jesus' return, uh, his uh, second coming, if you will. The return of our Lord, the moment when Christians believe the divine will will break finally into the world and shake it up like a holiday snow globe. 
intent on setting all things right and settling all matters great and small. We, we speak of this promise every time we celebrate communion. We say, by eating this bread and drinking this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, right? We celebrate Christ's resurrection, and then we say, and we await Christ's coming again. It's the belief that this world is not right, that the created order is so irreparably broken, only the Lord himself can put it back together again. Or at least that's what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. The day is coming. It's coming when we just need to wait for it and watch for it. The day of the Lord. Now, the problem, of course, is that waiting and watching for the Lord to fix something we can't mend ourselves, well, my word, that, that just doesn't tend to sit all that well with folks like us. We don't, we don't like feeling idle or helpless. And if we find ourselves waiting too long for someone or something, 2,000 years too long, you know what? We begin to question the promise itself. I think it's probably our greatest faith handicap. We are people who believe And we teach our children to believe that there isn't anything we can't accomplish if we put our whole heart, soul, and mind into doing what needs to be done, right? It's what we teach. It's what we believe. But deep down, we know it's not actually true. You know, we don't want to hear it most of the time, but the idea that we can accomplish anything we pour pour our best effort into is, well, simply false. And we know it. There are relationships that are so broken No amount of effort on our part can heal them. There are battle lines so clearly drawn, so ferociously protected within families and between nations that reconciliation and restoration, just not possible. There are painful, oh my word, painful personal histories and global histories of the past that just won't stop haunting the present and threaten the future. We don't like to think that anything is beyond our ability to repair, but that's not the truth. I mean, pick a candle in the Advent wreath, the hope candle or the peace, the love, the joy, the truth. Those virtues are as fragile as the flame flickering in the wind and trying to shine against the darkness. Now, this past October, Tammy and I were being driven by an Arab, Israeli, Christian, Palestinian taxi driver, and we were going from Israel to the West Bank. We were venturing to the uh, little town of Taipei, the very last Christian village in Palestine, about 1,600 residents. As we went, our driver pointed out all the Israeli settlements illegally perched on the hilltop lands of the Palestinians, and, and he also acknowledged the deep hostility Palestinian Muslims feel toward the Israelis. As we drove through the West Bank, our Christian driver explained how the little contingent of Christians, less than 1% of the entire population, were caught in the middle of two forces that absolutely hate one another. And then he said, you know, only when Jesus returns will things finally be set right. And he meant it. He meant it. For our Christian driver, Jesus was quite literally the only hope. Sometimes life and relationships in the world are so broken All we can do is kind of lean on the belief that God's plan in the Bible will actually come to pass. See, that's the great hope of of truly broken people and utterly broken world. Healing can only come through divine intervention. We, We don't like it, but you know, we look out at all that's going on in the world, maybe even what's going on close to home, and and we suspect it's true. There are real limits to what we can accomplish with all our heart, soul, and mind. When you come to terms with that reality, it it can feel as if you only have two choices, either get really, really, really frustrated or just stop caring altogether. So you've got these options of anger or apathy. 
However, there is a third option that it does provide hope, I believe, if you're willing to consider it. So I was reading a sermon uh, a week or so ago from the 1930s. It was a Depression-era message from the legendary preacher R.G. Lee. Um, uh, Lee asked a question of his congregation that I, I, I've just been unable to shake. Uh, I'm, and I'm not sure it fits with this sermon or with our text, but I can't get it out of my heart, soul, or mind. So I thought I would share it with you as, I don't know, potentially a bit of Advent hope. So R.G. Lee asked... What have you done today that nobody but a Christian would do? What have you done today that nobody but a Christian would do? You know, there's part of me that feels like that question might be sermon enough. You know, what's unique about our Christian faith and how have we lived that out this day? Or how haven't we for that matter? You know, it's a great and troubling question if you ask me. As soon as I read it, I wondered, I wondered, might it be an Advent question for us? You know, in all the hustle and bustle of this busy season of celebration, maybe we should pause to ask ourselves, what have we done today that nobody but Christians would do? Now, part of what we do is like candles in a dark and foreboding world. When the headlines say despair, we speak hope. When the world declares war, we promote peace. When hate seems to prevail, we choose love. When told to mourn, we sing joy to the world. I mean, honestly, it's a silly thing to do, but it is what we can do. In a world beyond repair, we do what we can. We proclaim the desires of God, and then we try to work toward the realization of those desires, even if our efforts seem as fleeting and flickering as the candle in an Advent wreath. Uh, th that, in my opinion, is the in-between option. It's the in-between option between anger and apathy. We do the work we're able to do. And perhaps in the process, we become a small part of the return of our Lord. We become something of Jesus's second coming ourselves. For that, perhaps that's also part of our answer to R.G. Lee's question. What have you done today that nobody but a Christian would do? Well, we, we choose to work for the Lord. A Lord who appears so long delayed, most folks have just stopped expecting him at all. We choose to be patient for the Lord while idling in the arrivals lane at the terminal, even if everyone else is honking at us and shouting for us to move along and get on our way. Now, I'm not sure how uh, that makes much sense or difference, but then I remember, you know, we, we follow a Lord who has executed a criminal and is said to return like a thief. So running late, Oh my word, that might just be the least of our worries, if we're to be honest. But I don't know people other than us Christians who would even entertain a devotion like that. How's that for an answer, R.G. Lee? We dare, we Christians dare to believe the unbelievable and to hope the unfathomable. Now, I hope you caught it, but it's quite an image of the coming of our Lord, isn't it? A thief, right? That's the indication at the end of this text. You know, there's a lot I don't understand about this Advent text, this little apocalypse spoken of by Jesus in the Mount of Olives. There are a lot of disturbing images, our Lord and Savior coming as a thief in the night, an image of, of Jesus having to break into our lives to get through to us. I mean, how does that sit with you? Now, there's so much we're told we can't understand in this text. It literally, Jesus says, but about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the sun. So there's a limit to what we can understand here. So maybe, just for a moment, instead of trying to understand, 
perhaps we simply attempt to imagine. What if together we try to imagine what kind of thief Jesus might be? Now, as you know, a really good thief will wait patiently for an opportunity to enter a dwelling. We'll observe living patterns, notice security systems, consider potential entry points. A a, a really good thief tends to come at night when we're asleep, when our defenses are down, when we're least able to resist. And a thief is often after what is most valuable to them and perhaps what is most valuable to us. Well, do you remember what we possess that apparently is most valuable to Jesus? He said it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. See, I wonder if Jesus is a thief trying to acquire our heart, our soul, and our mind for God. And that's no easy task because Lord knows we've got so many ready defenses against turning ourselves over to Jesus. We are busy beyond measure. We're distracted by whatever matter calls most insistently for our attention. Our worries for ourselves really do tend to overwhelm our interest in God. Perhaps what appears to us to be a delay, the Lord's delay, is is simply the time it takes for a divine and deliberate thief to slip unnoticed into our lives in order to capture our hearts, our souls, and our minds. You know, perhaps it just takes a lot of time to go year by year, house by house, life by life, collecting all those the Lord needs to change the world and bring about the kingdom. I mean, who knows? I'm, I'm, I'm aware I'm stretching the text in an attempt to make some sense of it, and, and perhaps that is the problem. Our hope isn't that we'll figure this out on our own or at all. The hope is that the divine thief will somehow find some folks like us waiting for him when he arrives. Not to bar the door, but to unlock it. That Jesus will find some folks that allow him in, to allow Jesus to claim us, mind, heart, and soul, to allow Jesus to free us so that candles can be lit, so that hope can be proclaimed, and so that the coming of God's kingdom can continue its slow advance on an unsuspecting world. See, those, those are the kinds of things I think Christians do that nobody else will. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, it's Advent, and uh, week one, we're lighting candles of hope, and we're looking at these jarring stories in the Gospel of Matthew that seem to indicate that you are prepared to shake up the world until everything settles down right. Lord God, we pray that we do wait and we do watch attentively for where you are at work in the world and where we see you at work, where we see hope and peace and joy and love abounding. Help us to enter into that work so that we might labor side by side with those who are intent on giving your kingdom in this world a place to reside in our hearts, but in the world itself. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So church family, as you launch into Advent, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with kindness and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Worship on the Go. To support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please consider making a contribution by clicking the Give button in the top right on our website, www.godsacre.org, or within today's email. God bless you and have a wonderful week.